0: Welcome back to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. Colorectal cancer is the third most common cancer diagnosed in the US, and doctors recommend regular screenings starting at age 45, but not everyone has access to screening. That's where a $1 million grant from the Cancer Prevention and Research Institute of Texas, awarded to Drs. John Kidwell, Rebecca Bauckham, and Rakshanda Rahman, will help that underserved population. The grant will provide fecal immunochemical testing, or FIT, at no cost to 15 counties in the Texas South Plains. Early detection leads to greater survival. And here to talk to us more about colorectal cancer and to the FITSTOP program are Dr. John Kidwell and Dr. Rebecca Bauckham, both assistant professors of surgery in the School of Medicine. Welcome to our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do at the Health Sciences Center?
1: Sure. I'm Rebecca Bauckham. Thank you for having us today. I am an assistant professor of surgery at the Health Sciences Center, and in particular, I specialize in colorectal surgery.
2: Hello, my name is John Kidwell. I'm also an assistant professor in the Department of Surgery at the Texas Tech Health Sciences Center. I also specialize in colon and rectal surgery, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, again, welcome to our podcast. You recently received a grant, a prevention grant for testing for colorectal cancer. Can you tell us what is colorectal cancer? Is it colon cancer, rectal cancer?
1: Colorectal cancer is actually quite common. It's the third most common type of cancer in the United States for both men and women. And although we often group it together and call it colorectal cancer, colon cancer is treated a bit differently than rectal cancer. Both start typically as a polyp in the mucosa or the lining of the colon. And as these polyps grow over time, they can develop mutations that can allow them to become invasive. And once they become invasive, they're considered a cancer. And so a colon cancer is one of these polyps that has become invasive, developed into a cancer in the colon itself. The colon is the large bowel or the large intestine So it's the lower end of the GI tract or the gastrointestinal tract. And rectal cancer is anything that occurs in the lowest most part of this GI tract, which is the rectum. And it's approximately the last six to nine inches of your GI tract. So anything that occurs low like that is considered a rectal cancer. And that becomes important when we talk
0: about treatment. How many people are diagnosed with colorectal cancer, and what are the survival rates?
1: In the United
2: States, there's approximately 150,000 to 160,000 people diagnosed with colorectal cancer annually. About 50,000 of those are expected to pass away from the disease per year as well. Like Dr. Bauckham highlighted, this is the third most common cancer diagnosed among men and women, so it's very important uh, that people are aware of it. The survival rates, depends on what stage the colorectal cancer is at, whether it's early in the disease process and it hasn't gotten large or gone elsewhere in the body, or if it's advanced, which usually means it, it's attached itself to other structures, gotten in the lymph nodes or gone to other places in the body. The survival rates for stage one colorectal cancer at five years is approximately 88%. At five years for stage four colorectal cancer, which is the highest stage, it's a steep decline closer to 12 to 13% five-year survival.
0: It sounds really common. What are some symptoms?
1: Sometimes it's completely asymptomatic, and other times people do develop symptoms once the size of the tumor grows large enough, and sometimes they may notice blood in their stools, blood when they wipe, and can also develop abdominal pain if it gets large enough and if it grows To be very large, it can actually cause a complete blockage of the lower GI tract, which can result in the need for emergency surgery. But very importantly, it is often asymptomatic and patients have no idea that it's there. And I think one of the most exciting things about colon and rectal cancer compared to many others is that we do have the ability not only to screen for it, but to potentially prevent it with our screening process. And we can talk more about that a little bit later, but I think that's one of the most important things about colorectal cancer that's
0: different from most others. So if someone is diagnosed with colorectal cancer, are there treatments and can it be cured?
2: I'll start with the last question first. Can it be cured? Yes, both colon cancer and rectal cancer can be cured. The likelihood of being able to cure that again depends on what stage you catch it at. It's more likely to be cured if you're able to catch it at an early stage, which is why we're very excited for this project because we think it'll help us catch these things at an earlier stage for a lot of people. The treatment, like Dr. Bacham alluded to previously, depends if it's colon cancer versus rectal cancer. Typically, The treatment algorithm for colon cancer would be an upfront resection followed by chemotherapy if there were positive lymph nodes in the resected specimen. Rectal cancer, there are various algorithms to treat rectal cancer. It depends if it's an early stage or a locally advanced or later stage rectal cancer. If it's an earlier stage rectal cancer, sometimes we can treat those with surgery up front. If it's a later stage rectal cancer, stage 3 or 4, then oftentimes they will get the patients will get what's called neoadjuvant therapy. And what that means is they get a certain amount of radiation along with chemotherapy followed by a surgical resection. Is that a is that a fair
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good summary. Okay. I would say kind of globally, early colon cancer is treated with surgery primarily. We determine the need for chemotherapy primarily based on whether any lymph nodes are involved. And early rectal cancer can sometimes be treated with surgery, but many times rectal cancer does involve some combination of all three Of the treatment modalities which can include radiation and chemotherapy and surgery. I always tell my patients that once we start talking about rectal cancer things get really complicated really fast and there are lots of decisions that can be made based on its location and how close it is to the sphincter muscles um, and what types of surgery options are available and I would say for the very earliest stages of cancer, sometimes they can be treated with colonoscopy if it hasn't really invaded yet. So when we talk about colonoscopy and the need for screening, if we can do a colonoscopy and identify a polyp, we have the the potential to prevent that from ever turning into a cancer. And so we're not just looking for cancers themselves when we do screening tests, but we're looking for polyps so that we can prevent them from ever becoming a cancer.
0: Is this something that's hereditary or is this something that most of us should be concerned about?
1: So as we know right now, about three to five percent of colorectal cancers that are diagnosed are determined to be hereditary. And what we mean by that is that we can... We do genetic testing on their germline, and we can identify a specific mutation that they likely inherited and that they can pass along to their offspring. Many times, though, there can be a strong family history of colon cancer, but we don't identify a gene on the genetic testing that we do. And there are likely many other genes that we just don't know about yet.
0: Now, let's talk about the Fit Stop testing related to your grant. Tell us a little bit more about this grant and does this test replace a colonoscopy? And also, why do you think patients delay seeing a physician for testing or diagnosis?
2: So, the Fit Stop project, what we aim to do is get a screening modality out there to certain uninsured and underserved. Groups in the southwest portion of the Texas Panhandle, which is a group that among the state and among the United States has one of the worst colorectal cancer screening rates. So if you average the United States, the colorectal cancer screening rate is about 67%. If you look at Texas itself, it's around 60%. If you look at this certain COG-2 area of the South Plains, which is where we would aim to distribute these kits, it's around 40% colorectal cancer screening rate. And so this place really needs better access to screening modalities. And so one of the easiest ways that we can increase quality screening there is to get these fecal immunochemical testing kits to that area. It does not replace a colonoscopy, but it will help us gauge whether the individual would need a colonoscopy because if this FIT test is positive, then that means that they do have some amount of blood in their stool and we need to further evaluate them with a colonoscopy.
1: And these tests will detect microscopic or what's considered occult, meaning it can't be seen. So microscopic blood that gets passed when patients have polyps and when they have tumors, because they shed small amounts of blood at a time that most of the time the patient's unaware of that it's even there. And we'll talk a little bit later, I think, about the different types of screening modalities, because there are a lot out there. And colonoscopy is considered kind of the gold standard, And often is the test that, you know, gets chosen first. But there are, like these fecal immunochemical tests, several non-invasive options where the patient doesn't have to do a full clean-out of their bowels, but can do this test at home and determine whether they need a colonoscopy or not.
2: And a lot of times with a colonoscopy, it's easier to get one of those done if you have easier access to medical facilities and in many of these areas, many of these communities in this region, they are rural. They are not close to a facility. they have less access than than your average American. and so we think we're filling a gap here and providing uh, something that's really needed as far as why do patients delay in seeing a physician for testing, I think. It's something that many of us can relate to in some way. Life is busy. We all have things going on. We tend to give our focus to present and arising issues. And so if something is not going wrong, often we think, well, I I have no symptoms. I'm feeling okay. I don't need to give my energy and focus to this at this time. I have other things I have to worry about. But this is one of those situations where an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Is that how the saying goes? I don't know. Maybe. I don't, yeah. It sounded good. Yeah. It sounded, I didn't come up with it, I don't think. But so I, I think that's one of the main reasons is, is people just get busy and it's not an issue for them right at the moment
0: and lack of access as and you said
2: definitely lack of access is one well. yeah. and and lack of awareness
0: mm-hmm. yeah they
1: recently lowered the screening age recommended to 45 and i think many people don't know that colonoscopy is recommended to prevent cancer in the first place and Most, I think, may not realize that if we can take off a polyp that it doesn't have a chance to turn into a cancer. They just think, oh, I don't want to have to do a clean out or have, you know, it sounds really embarrassing to have somebody have to, you know, put a scope inside and look inside my guts, like that sounds gross or they're scared of it or they don't want to have to do the prep. And so I think there are lots of barriers and hopefully this grant will allow us to provide not only some education, but also some access that's a little bit easier, allows them to do some testing at home and get a baseline screening for those who really are at risk and need something more invasive like a colonoscopy.
0: They mentioned age 45 as the starting age for testing. Is there an age limit for these kits? Will younger people be able to get it? Or a first time testing, will they have access to it too?
2: Anyone of any age will be able to send in an application for one of these kits. Age 45 is the recommended age to start screening for colorectal cancer for an average risk individual. If you're a higher risk individual, like if you have a family history of polyps or cancers, or you have a history of inflammatory bowel disease, or if you have one of those germline mutations that we've talked about, then your recommended age for screening can be earlier. And the timing in between can be different than the average risk individual. But as far as who can get one of these kits, anyone can apply for one of these kits. They are free for the uninsured individuals who are applying for these.
1: I don't think patients who are over the age of 85 will qualify. It's generally not recommended for those patients to undergo screening. Yeah, I think... The groups are kind of for the study purpose divided between 18 to 40, 40 to 49, 50 to 75, and then 76 to 85. And so, you know, the patients will fill out this application for the project, and we will make determinations based on their answers to the questions about whether they qualify for a test. But anyone who is having symptoms will likely qualify for a test regardless of their age. And anybody within the screening age of average risk between 45 and even those who are 75 or 80 may qualify for a test. And the application that they will need to fill out is pretty straightforward. It'll ask some basic questions about whether they've been experiencing any symptoms, change in bowel habits, blood in their stools. And also will make sure that they know that At the time of any service provided, they will need to provide some photo ID, proof of a current Texas address, an insurance card if they have it. It's certainly not required, but if they have it, we will need that information as well as um, some information about their income, and then we will get them scheduled for the FIT testing once they have completed this non-invasive test. Based on those results, if they... Qualify as being at risk uh, based on those results and needing a colonoscopy, then someone from the study will reach out to them and let them know that they um, are recommended. It's recommended that they have a colonoscopy and that they qualify for that. And through the grant funding, those services will also be provided. We have the two of us who do colonoscopy, as well as a few GI providers who are also going to be a part of the grant team to care for these patients who qualify for colonoscopies based on their initial non-invasive test results.
0: And where can people sign up?
2: I think whenever we go to these communities for our outreach, we will have informational packets and contacts to give to the individuals so that they can contact UMC and get one of these applications sent to them. We will also likely have some applications at these outreach events that we can provide to individuals. I think it's also important to note that for the uninsured, I believe there's no fee.
1: Yeah, not at all.
2: Which which is a huge positive.
1: Mm-hmm. Not There's not a fee for the screening tests, but there's also not a fee if they need anything further based on those results so if they need a colonoscopy and if they have any cancer detected all of their care will be covered through the grant.
0: And how soon can people expect the results? I think they're available
1: pretty quickly within a matter of days they do have there will be some delay because they will collect the test and then they will have to mail it in. So it'll take some time for it to get to the lab and for the lab to process the test. But once the lab has the test, I believe the processing is fairly quick. And so they should have the test results pretty
0: quickly. But if they have symptoms, if they do get symptoms, they should see their physician right away.
1: Yeah. If they have a physician and they have any symptoms of blood in their stools or constipation, diarrhea then yes, we do recommend that they seek medical attention for those and not necessarily wait for you know, our applications and everything to
0: be available. Will this be done on a yearly basis?
2: Yes, these fecal immunochemical tests are to be done yearly. And that doesn't mean that a colonoscopy has to be done yearly because we would only do a colonoscopy if these tests were positive. But yes, these are yearly tests, and they're not difficult to complete. Typically, the kit comes with a biodegradable package that you place in the toilet. This catches your stool, and then you use a applicator to take a swab of this and place in a container that is then mailed to the address given in your packet. And so very easy to... Understand very easy to follow. We'll have instructions in English and in Spanish, and we'll have uh, people available for questions, uh, if any questions about how to utilize the kit do come about.
1: The kits actually are surprisingly similar in terms of the collection tubing and a swab to like an at-home COVID test. If anybody has had to do that, very similar. You don't ever have to touch anything that's a part of the sample, and it gets contained in its own container, sealed in a bag, and then sealed in an envelope.
0: What's the difference between this test and the the ones that we see advertised on TV?
1: There are some other tests available. One that comes to mind is called the ColoGuard test. And It's a very similar type of test in that it is non-invasive based on a stool sample. It does detect DNA that is present in the stool. And typically DNA is only shed in the stool by pretty advanced polyps or cancers. And so it's a bit different than the occult blood test, which is what we'll be testing in this particular study.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add?
2: I think we're just excited because our goal here is to increase the incidence of screening in an underserved and highly uninsured area of the Southwest Texas Panhandle that really, really needs better screening access. And by getting that improved screening, we really hope to increase prevention of colorectal cancer by getting the people in to get colonoscopies who need colonoscopies and removing those polyps before they turn into cancer. So we're pretty excited to see the rates of screening go up in this area and hopefully the morbidity and mortality of colorectal cancer go down.
1: Yeah, they've had some very similar funding for other types of cancer. Dr. Rahman has kind of spearheaded this at the Cancer Center, and they've seen some really dramatic results in terms of the decreased risk of dying from breast cancer in this very similar underserved patient population. So we hope to see the same results with regard to colorectal cancer decreasing the deaths in our area related to colorectal cancer each year.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us about this and telling us about the kits. Sure, thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susana Cisdanos, Mark Hendricks, and me, Melissa Whitfield.